This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. Do you want to get smart about your investments? I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we'll talk to the organizer of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. It's being called the Ultimate Financial Masterclass. Two days at the Vancouver Convention Center, January 21st and 22nd. We'll talk to the organizer, but first, here's what's going on in the consumer news from the past week. Did you listen to a lot of music through the streaming services last year? Well, you're not alone. Luminate's year-end report found that the global music industry surpassed 4 trillion streams in 2023. That's a new single-year record. Global streams are also up 34% from last year, which just shows you how international music has really taken off. Here in North America, the three genres of music that saw the biggest growth were country, Latin, and world music. But don't worry about Taylor Swift. Uh, The report found that in the United States, one out of every 78 on-demand streams was playing a Taylor Swift song. The buying and selling website eBay has been fined $3 million by the U.S. Justice Department for stalking a couple who lived in Massachusetts. Seven eBay employees pleaded guilty to the stalking, which included sending live spiders cockroaches, a bloody pig mask, and a funeral wreath to this couple's home. The scheme was to intimidate David and Ina Steiner because they published a blog about e-commerce, which was often very critical of eBay. The seven employees included two senior members of eBay's corporate security team, eBay will likely have to pay more than $3 million, uh, more than that $3 million fine. The Steiners are now suing eBay, describing how the cyber stalking and the deliveries of all those anonymously sent packages really upended their lives. It might not seem like it if you've spent any time outside here in the lower mainland the past few days. It's freaking cold out there. But this past year, the earth was hotter than it's ever been since they've been keeping records. The European Climate Agency says earth-shattered global annual heat records in 2023, flirted with the Paris Climate Accord's warning threshold, and just overall showed more signs of a feverish planet. Copernicus says last year was 1.48 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial times, and that's only slightly below the 1.5 degree Celsius limit that the world hoped to stay within to avoid the most severe effects of warming. And scientists say the warming climate is to blame for all sorts of extreme weather events, including a lot that happened here, like uh, Canadian wildfires. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has reluctantly approved trading of the first Bitcoin exchange-traded funds. The agency says it does not approve or endorse Bitcoin in this decision, adding it is still deeply skeptical about cryptocurrencies. An exchange-traded fund or an ETF is an easy way to invest in something or a group of things like gold, junk bonds, or bitcoins without having to buy the things themselves. Here in Canada, regulators approved a Bitcoin ETF about three years ago. 
I thought we were past people eating Tide Pods, but at least three people have been hospitalized after mistakenly eating colorful pods of liquid laundry detergent that were distributed as a campaign freebie in Taiwan's presidential race. Taiwanese media reports said the victims thought the pods were candy. The pods came in partially clear packaging with photos of a Nationalist Party candidate and his running mate. A party official apologized for the whole thing. And look for tributes to classic TV shows, including All in the Family, Cheers, and Game of Thrones during the 75th Emmy Awards. It's on Monday night. Uh, The producers are hoping the tribute segments will show decades of television in its full variety of styles, formats, and periods. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when it comes to your investments, how would you like to be bomb-proof with your portfolio, ready for whatever the world has in store for us? Well, later this month, it's the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Two days at the Vancouver Convention Center, January 21st and 22nd. 60 keynote speakers, all sorts of experts uh, talking about the new issues that face our world and how investors can take advantage of them. And when we come back, we'll talk to the host of the VRIC, Jay Martin, on how you can take advantage of the new developments happening in our world. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and the past few years have been a bit of a roller coaster ride for investors. Uh, and coming up this month, January 21st and 22nd, is a very special conference dealing with just that. It's the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference at the Vancouver Convention Center with more than 60 financial keynote speakers. It's basically 6,000 investors gathering for two days to hear from world-renowned investors on how to make money investing in commodities. And with me now is the host of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. He's the CEO of Cambridge House. You may have seen him on his uh, YouTube channel. Jay Martin, he's got a lot of subscribers. Uh, Jay is here with us. Jay Martin, how are you doing? Hey, I'm really good, Martin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, this looks like a really, really interesting thing. We did the the same thing last year. It's This year, it's January 21st, January 22nd. Uh, general admission is free, um, and we'll talk a little bit later about the different tiers. There are some special VIP events and stuff like that, but uh, generally, people just need to know that uh, admission is free. Uh, which is pretty cool. But we talked last year around this time, and this year, it's quite a quite a different scenario, isn't it? Things have been changing so fast. Yeah, 100%. And just to add on to that, yes, general admission is free, but attendees do have to pre-register at CambridgeHouse.com. Mm-hmm. And people think I'm nuts, uh, to be honest, Martin, to be giving all this away for free, because as you mentioned, you know, we have over 60 keynote speakers. We have over, we have six stages, you know, it's a two-day event, so over 240 investment opportunities on the trade show floor. But the mission behind this is really to, you know, democratize access to financial information and investment information. And it's been a crazy year. You're, you're right. It's like chaos abounds every direction you look. I mean, volatility is everywhere. And so it's been super challenging for investors to navigate that and determine where is the safe home for capital right now. 
Uh, and should they be playing offense or should they be playing defense? And those are very different strategies. Our mission with this conference, you know, via the 60 keynote speakers, who are all money managers, by the way, that we fly in from all over the world, we hand select individuals who have amazing track records of beating the market, you know, in, in many cases, decade over decade, um, to shed light on where they're putting cash right now. I mean, that's what I want to get to with this event, with everybody we have on stage. It's like, okay, show me your book. Where are you putting capital right now? Because you've been making excellent decisions for the last 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess with the kind of, uh, I mean, you mentioned, you use the word chaos. Um, things are changing really, really quickly. Uh, and I guess for every, for every sort of pitfall in this kind of environment, there are some pretty exciting opportunities too. So what do you look at? What, what is exciting you now about this market? Well, I, I look at trends in money flow. And so, you know, it's, it's, impossible for investors to time markets. That, that's what I believe. I, I don't think it's, it's a game that anybody can really play is to predict what the market is going to do. But what investors can do is identify things that are cheap, buy those things, and then sell those things when they become expensive. I mean, that's Warren Buffett's playbook right there. And so what I see in terms of trends in money flow right now is that the smartest investors and the biggest institutions um, that we can all pay attention to, they, they've shifted their focus and they're no longer gambling on overvalued tech stocks. They're investing in the raw materials that power our world. And that's the commodity sector. And the reason they're looking in that direction is because nobody's cared about the commodity sector for about a decade, but it's a very cyclical industry. So it's got, you know, super high tops and super low bottoms. And the last 10 years has been really tough, but as a consequence, it's very cheap. And that's why we're seeing a lot of the smartest money in the world, I mean, all the way up to central banks globally, the biggest institutions and just very savvy private investors start directing capital that direction because they can see the disproportionate possibility of returns. Right. We're talking to Jay Martin. He is the president and CEO of Cambridge House International, also the host of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. It's January 21st and 22nd at the Vancouver Trade and Convention Center. General admission is free, but you have to register. Go to cambridgehouse.com for all the information. And Jay, you were talking about... um, commodity stocks versus tech stocks, for example, and tech stocks, they often get a lot. It seems like tech stocks get more attention than they deserve. Would you say that that's true? Because they're the glamorous ones, but things like commodities are are, are more meat and potatoes and, and they're not as exciting. Well, to a degree, yeah. And, you know, Martin, I think a lot of that is just how much money has been made in the tech sector over the last 10 years. I mean, if if you did nothing over the last decade but threw money at the Magnificent Seven, you know, the, the FANG stocks, you did very well. And so it's, it was a very logical path for investors to follow, but everything in the markets is cyclical. And we're seeing a lot of belt tightening within that tech sector. But more importantly, when you starve the commodity industry of capital, you got to remember the commodity industry is the ingredients to all of that cool tech we want to build. And so if you want renewable energy, if you want electric vehicles, if you want wearable tech, you want better laptops and cell phones, like all of that stuff is, is built with the ingredients called commodities. And so whether it's copper, nickel, cobalt, vanadium, we're short on all of that stuff right now because no capital has been invested in 
building the supply. And so we've been promised this bright tech future. We're going to realize it is going to happen. I think we're going to hit renewable energy goals, maybe not right on target, but eventually we will. But only if we can supply those industries with the ingredients they need. And, and that's what the commodity sector is all about. It's the, yes, maybe the boring raw materials, but, you know, I love it. I love it because if you can understand which commodities are most important today, it tells you a lot about why power is distributed around the world the way that it is. You know, today it's, it's a, largely a conversation about oil and you see countries that dominate the oil supply becoming very wealthy, but you can look to the last several hundred years and pick off the commodities that were in most demand. And at times it was like nutmeg and tobacco and rubber and bananas at one point, you know, would drive a ton of wealth. And so paying attention to which key commodities are in the highest demand and critical to the supply tells you a lot about why power is consolidated where it is and where it might go next. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's an example of, of, of a commodity that people might overlook uh, that they, they maybe they don't even know about, they don't hear about? Well, there, there's one that might come to mind there. Uranium is a, is a commodity that now is getting the spotlight, but it's been um, really forgotten about for the last 12 years. And it's, it is the core ingredient to nuclear power. And so, you know, nuclear power uh, has a reputation to some folks as being a bit dangerous because the technology that we used to use to produce nuclear power 30, 40 years ago was dangerous. You know, that's no longer the case. And it is a emissions-free energy source, baseload power. And so as a consequence, you're seeing countries all around the world build up their nuclear power capacity. And as a result of that, demand for uranium is going crazy. And so suddenly a commodity like uranium, somewhat obscure for most folks, is making headlines, the price is surging, and companies are raising lots of cash to go out and find more. Because at present, we have no idea how we're going to fuel all of the nuclear reactors that are being built presently around the world. Yeah. And I guess with, with global warming and, and all that kind of stuff, suddenly nuclear power is much more attractive. Much more attractive, yes. And it's, it's baseload, right? Which means that you can produce power 24 hours a day. So the, the challenge that we haven't solved yet, and I think we absolutely will solve it, is how do we store the power created by the sun when it's shining or by the wind when it's blowing? And, and we don't know yet, right? We've got some pretty advanced battery technologies. So when, when the sun is shining, we can capture that energy via solar panels. But if it's not used right away, we have to store it for use later. And that's the advantage of the fossil fuel industry. You know, you can create that energy on demand 24-7, but you can't force the sun to shine or the wind to blow and et cetera, et cetera. So in order for that to work and be available 24-7, we have to build the battery technology that stores the power for use whenever we need it. Now, nuclear does that. Nuclear functions the way that fossil fuels do in that fashion, in that energy is created on demand whenever we need it, how much of it we need. So it's very effective in that regard. And yes, it's emissions-free. There's no carbon emissions from a nuclear plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking to Jay Martin. He's the host of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. It's January 21st and 22nd. And you may know Jay from his um, YouTube channel, The Jay Martin Show. And if you're a regular watching that show, you know that you are generally very bullish on commodities. You, you think the next mm-hmm. tech 10 years w- will be uh, pretty good for commodities. 
Yeah, I think the cycle's coming back. And I mean, Martin, the, the two basic reasons for that are number one is that when you starve an industry of cash, a critical industry like commodities for you know over a decade, um, you know, it becomes in super high demand. And that's what we're seeing right now. The demand for copper, for nickel, uh, central banks around the world buying gold. They're buying gold right now at paces we haven't seen in over 50 years. The demand for these hard metals is just bananas. And we haven't been financing the exploration or production of new supply. And so, you know, when you have that supply and demand imbalance, prices shoot up. And secondly, you know, we're entering some kind of a new world order. And, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know what that's going to look like 10, 20 years down the road, but my whole life thus far has been the era of globalization, right? Increased sharing, uh, the world operated like a global marketplace. If you had the cash or credit, you could buy whatever products you needed from whoever had them. But, you know, we've, we've experienced some economic wars, trade wars, currency wars, and now legitimate hot wars. And a lot of those geopolitical lines are being fractured and countries aren't willing to share the materials they used to. And so when the supply of the stuff you need becomes vulnerable because of hot wars breaking out, the value of those things goes up. And so those two threads, to me, point to a very bullish 10-year period in the commodity sector. Right. And if you would like to to get more information from some pretty uh, important players in all of this, you, you'll want to check out the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, January 21st and 22nd at the Vancouver Trade or the Vancouver Convention Center. And uh, if you go to cambridgehouse.com, you can register. The general admission tickets are free. There are some uh, some other uh, some other value added things you can get involved in. But The general admission is free if you go to cambridgehouse.com. And we're talking to Jay Martin, who's the host of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. And when we come back, I want to ask him about some of the people he's really looking forward to to hearing speak and uh, some of the people who will be leading the way uh, in the next 10 years in this kind of investment scenario. And that's all coming up when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And on Vancouver Consumer, we're talking about uh, how to bulletproof your investments uh, with the president and CEO of Cambridge House International and the host of the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, which is being held January 21st and 22nd at the Vancouver Trade and Convention Center. General admission tickets are free. You just have to go to cambridgehouse.com and register. It's uh, basically uh, more than 60 financial keynote speakers from around the world, 6,000 investors gathering for two days to hear from world-renowned investors on how to make money investing in commodities. And uh, Jay Martin, the host, also the host of uh, the Jay Martin Show on YouTube, which has a a lot of uh, subscribers. Um, I'm interested, Jay, in who you are most excited to hear speak at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Yeah, I'd love love to share, Martin. So a couple of names that would probably be familiar to your audience would be you know, somebody like Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, still today the number one 
best-selling personal finance author of all time. Uh, always hilarious on stage. Robert is an um, absolute blast to interview, and so he'll be joining me on stage for a few different sessions. Another favorite is Danielle DiMartino Booth. And so, you know, Danielle, prior to founding her own research firm, worked in the Federal Reserve at a very high level, reporting directly to the president in Dallas. And so, <clears throat> you know, her insights into monetary and fiscal policy are really unparalleled. And her ability to transcribe the policy decisions of, you know, Jerome Powell or the Central Bank of Canada when it comes to rate decisions, et cetera, is, is very interesting. And so I'm looking forward to hosting her. Uh, we have over 60 keynote speakers. And so what I tend to do, Martin, is group them into a variety of panel discussions and debates. One of my favorites this year is called Outlook 2030. And so I'll be joined on stage by six different money managers uh, with great track records. And I'll just be asking them the question, look, we're sitting around the kitchen table. It's 2030, reflecting on our portfolio decisions. Where are we really happy? You know, and where are we a bit upset? And where are we confused? If we think about all the decisions we're making today, you know, and, and extend the time horizon a little bit, because I think investors sometimes fall victim to thinking too short term, whereas, you know, I'm a long term value investor. I'm investing for the 2030s. And so, you know, we're reflecting back in a decade in a fictitious future, playing that game, running through industry by industry, commodity by commodity, uh, sector by sector, et cetera. Um, and we do our best to include a ton of content for individuals who are maybe brand new to investing. You know, one, one uh, big feature is called five simple rules that every investor needs to know. And the whole intention of that is to demystify the complexity because there's a lot of, a lot of folks are intimidated by the capital markets and, and by how do I begin building an investment portfolio? This seems very, very uh, challenging and, and, um, and, and frankly dangerous, right? I can lose all my money, but in, investing, I want to communicate to people is just like anything else. It doesn't have to be complex. It's actually best when it's not. And if you can just master the most basic fundamentals and apply those consistently over time, that's most often the winning strategy. It's not some superior angle that so-and-so saw that so-and-so didn't. It's just, no, no, get the basics right. Get the fundamentals dialed and build yourself a process that you can apply into your life and let that compound month over month, year over year. And so we do have a lot of content like that for people that might be brand new to, to the market, you know, and, and I want to, I want to provide some, some very accessible content to help anybody build a portfolio uh, for the balance of this uh, decade. Yeah, that's a, a really good point because uh, one of the few things that I've learned over the years when it comes to investing is the best investments are often the most boring. And <laughs> I yeah. think that that's kind of a good rule to follow. And, and you bring up a really good point about sort of demystifying this because I think a lot of people would hear about the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference and all the keynote speakers and think you kind of have to already be immersed in this world. But it sounds to me like this could be a, a good opportunity, especially since the general admission is free, that uh, people, uh, young people, who are just trying to figure out how they can start investing and, you know, start on a lifelong path of, you know, managing their money. This is probably a good opportunity for young people, right? We, we definitely uh, are, are focused on that very much so, Martin. And a few years ago, we started building a ton of content for beginner investors. And the response is really good. And each year after that, we started seeing younger and younger faces at the show. And so, 
And, and you're right. You know, as you mentioned, sometimes the, the most boring investments are the most successful. Like, here's a fun fact, right? The reason that Warren Buffett is the Oracle of Omaha, the Warren, the household name that we all know, is first and foremost because he's been an investor for over 80 years. Duration is the reason. Now, I'm not taking anything away from his portfolio strategy because it's been brilliant. But had he begun his investing career when he was 30 and quit when he was 65, frankly, like most people, he would be worth less than 1% of his current net worth. He still would have been very rich, but none of us would have ever heard his name. But the reason he succeeded to the extent that he has is duration. It's patience. It's patience. And for the same reason, the number one asset that almost any investor ever ends up owning is their house. And it's not because real estate is always the top performing asset class. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But it's the one asset that people buy and hold for 25 years, duration. And so I really try to hammer that uh, front and center at this event and on my YouTube channel that, you know, it's a patient game and everybody wants results today. I get it. I totally get it. Right. But, but that's not what the market is. The market's not a get risk, get rich fast scheme. It's, if you play it that way, it's far more frequently a go broke fast scheme, but it can be a get rich (laughs) slow scheme. That's an easier game to play. And I'd be as audacious as just to say that anybody can get rich. Getting rich is easy if you have patience and discipline. And all that means is you're, you're conscious of your time horizon, how long you're putting money to work for, and you're applying some rules. That's the discipline angle. So that's why we build content like the five, you know, basic rules that every investor should follow. It's simple fundamentals that can apply to anybody. So we really simplify it as best we can. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And that kind of brings us to older investors, because we talked about young investors. And that's the thing, when you're a young investor, the one luxury you have is is time, is is you've got that long timeline ahead of you. But what do you say to somebody who maybe is is around retirement age? Um, you know, what what kind of strategies would they have going into uh, the the resource investment conference? What what do you say to them? Well, I would, I would pick your sessions accordingly because, you know, we have, we have workshops and speaker hall sessions built for investors with a, a, a variety of risk tolerances and time horizons. And so, you know, some of the money managers that we have in are, are looking to preserve the wealth that they've built. And so they're not looking for massive swings and massive gains. And they're playing a conservative game because their intention is to conserve uh, the wealth they've created throughout their lifetime, right? Or maybe earn uh, a nice little yield, which is actually very accomplishable right now because a lot of these companies on our floor are paying very healthy dividends because if you can get 5% in a GIC, you've got to be competitive if you're in equity. If you're a public company looking to attract investors, your dividend has to be competitive. And so investors that are looking to just put their existing wealth to work and generate competitive interest you know, that's when it's smart to look at the higher tier of commodity companies that are in production. So, you know, on our floor, you'll see the whole spectrum of companies that are looking for new deposits of copper or nickel uh, and companies that are producing it. They're already extracting it and selling the product. And, and those later stage companies are typically the cash flowing companies that pay great dividends and are probably suited, but you know, I don't know what's best for anybody. You know, there's no, there's no like one size fits all. So it really comes down to like, you know, number one, what kind of investor are you? 
And that means, you know, what's your risk tolerance? What's your time horizon? How long are you looking to put cash to work? Are you looking to play offense or defense? Meaning, are you looking to, are you looking for those five X returns? Or are you looking to just protect the purchasing power of the wealth you have? And then once you determine that right back to the, the you know, that's kind of the whole, uh, content of the five simple rules is determining what kind of investor you are. That'll tell you what kind of strategy you should employ. Uh, and then you can go ahead and, and uh, essentially go shopping in the marketplace accordingly, knowing that you're sticking to the bucket that suits your personal investment goals. Right. So the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference is is for everybody. It's not just for the the high flyers, the big risk takers, but also somebody who's retired and somebody who maybe the timeline is short. Yeah, I'd say anybody and, and especially retail investors. So I, I do, you know, young, old, experienced or not, we do build this conference for individuals who are not professional investors. So folks that may have a nine to five may run a small business, but they also want to put their cash to work. And so that's, that's the market more so than it is demographic or experience level. It's, it's that you're not a full-time investor, but you understand the value of putting your cash to work. Mm-hmm. And it's later this month, January 21st and 22nd. And uh, as we've been saying, general admission is free, but you have to register. Go to cambridgehouse.com and you can get all the information at cambridgehouse.com. But uh, w- what do you say if somebody's listening? And uh, I mean, w- we've covered young people to older people, but somebody listening who's thinking, well, I, you know, why should I spend a couple of days at this conference? Like what, what's in it for me? And what would you, what would you say to that person? What's in it for them is that, um, you can sit down at a front row seat in the speaker hall and hear from a few dozen money managers that we've gathered from all over the world. And the reason we gather so many is because there is no one size fits all strategy, but you get the opportunity to listen to, you know, 12, 24 different strategies and then apply that, which makes the most sense to you. And I always tell folks like, it's it's so important to do that. You want to listen to as many strategies as possible, you know, who's putting cash where and why, and then figure out, you know, what you want to do accordingly, because you're going to have your own goals and intentions. Um, It's a great place to get educated. And you know, the the brilliant, the, the most fun part about the commodity sector, Martin, is that Back to, if you understand the supply and demand of commodities, it tells you a lot about how and why power is distributed around the world in the way that it is. And so thinking through the commodity sector like with that lens, it's, it's a lot more exciting because you're kind of reading a narrative about, about the, um, just the development of, of various countries and why and uh, why various alliances exist and, and um it's a fun industry. It's a very fun industry. Yeah. Well, knowledge is power and you can get some of that knowledge at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. It's January 21st and 22nd at the Vancouver Trade and Convention Center. Uh, general admission tickets are free. You can go to cambridgehouse.com and uh, find out everything you need to know because you need to register even though uh, the general admission is free. And uh, Jay Martin is the host of the VRIC and also the host of the Jay Martin Show on YouTube. And Jay, I I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Martin, pleasure's all mine. Thanks so much. 
Right on. We'll see you at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, January 21st and 22nd. And as I say, cambridgehouse.com is the place to go. And when we come back on Vancouver Consumer, I'm sure you've heard the story about the plane door that blew off in midair over Oregon about a week ago. Nobody was seriously hurt. And while it's definitely a black eye for the Boeing company, another company, Apple, is actually getting some good press out of the disaster. I've got that story when we come back with Vancouver Consumer right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. Apple has just been handed the kind of advertising You just can't buy. When Alaska Airlines Flight 1282 lost its door panel over Oregon on Friday, the Boeing 737 experienced what's known as explosive decompression. The door panel flew off the plane. And if you've ever seen a movie where there is suddenly a door open on the plane or an explosion, everything that isn't nailed down, sometimes even people, get sucked out of the plane because of the air pressure. Luckily, no people got sucked out of this plane. The plane hadn't reached cruising altitude yet, so everybody, including the flight attendants, were buckled in. Also, no one was luckily, luckily no one was in the seats uh, next to the door that blew off. Uh, the headrests on those seats were gone on seats 26A and 25A, and 26A was missing part of its seat back. It's amazing that no one was seriously hurt, but it must have been pretty frightening to see a big hole where the door was supposed to be and watch all sorts of debris fly out of the plane. A whole bunch of stuff got sucked out of the door and into the sky, and that included an iPhone that fell 16,000 feet to the ground below. Amazingly, it was found under a bush by a man out for a walk, still uh, working and with hardly any damage. Sean Bates was the guy who found it. He's an app developer. And as it happens, he's kind of an aviation enthusiast. And before he found the phone, he had seen an advisory online from the National Transportation Safety Board asking for help locating loose debris that flew out of this Boeing 737 MAX 9 plane. As it happened, Sean was planning to go for a walk in that area anyway, so he gave himself some extra time. And he wasn't alone. A few walkers and joggers had their eyes open, and and they were looking around. One man was flying a drone in the area. So as Bates walked along Barnes Road, something caught his eye. It was the iPhone face up under a bush. It was hidden slightly beneath a thicket of thorns and grass. Uh, Save for a few scratches, it looked in decent shape, and Bates figured it must have fallen from someone's pocket or off the roof of a passing car. He picked it up. He saw a piece of a cord still in the phone's port, apparently ripped away from the charger. He tried to flip it on, and to his surprise, the screen lit up, and the phone wasn't locked. And it was clear that the last person using it had been checking their email and the message on the phone was a baggage claim receipt for Alaska Airlines Flight 1282. Bates called the local non-emergency police line, which patched him through to the National Safety uh, Transportation Safety Board. The investigator on the line told him it was the second phone from the, pl- the flight that had been turned in. So it's great advertising for the iPhone, proving that they can take a lot of abuse but also hard to believe if you've ever dropped your iPhone 
and watched as the screen shattered. I don't know, I guess a 16,000 foot drop from an airplane into some bushes. That's fine. Just don't drop it on the bathroom floor. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. We are here every Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m., and that's thanks in large part to our producer, Jonathan Chung. This is CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.